You are freer than you think. It's like the ultimate form of freedom. You expound upon that freedom to develop on this planet. True freedom comes from within. It's the ability. Thinking to myself, I can help you or I can destroy you. Man is a two-time felon. I work really hard and I've been, a, I've been a life learner. When things are feeling tough, let yourself be surprised. The world favors risk-taking. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Freedom Pact. Welcome back to the Freedom Pact podcast. And today on the show, I am joined by the Happy Pair. The Happy Pair started out back in 2004 with Steve, Dave, a tiny shop, and a dream of helping people eat healthier and becoming happier. Fast forward 15 years, the Happy Pair now consists of four cafes, 40 products, four cookbooks, a farm, a roastery, and hundreds of amazing employees committed to helping people live healthier and happier lives. And that is what this episode is about. We dive into their journey, how they took their passion and turned it into their living, and we look into how to live a healthier and happier life. These guys are both extremely, extremely happy and positive guys, and it really is infectious, so I hope it gets to you through the screen. I know it got to me. I was smiling coming off of the call. So let's jump into the episode with the happy pair. Welcome to the Freedom Park podcast. Thank you, Lewis. We're honoured to be here. Excuse us eating porridge. We're just um, a pair of Irish lads. Can't get enough of it. <laughs> oh, I love it. And just for the audience who are watching now, what are, you, what are you eating currently? Let's make sure you're on brand. Porridge with some flakes, some flaxseed and a bit of oat milk. There we go. That's now the official Freedom Park breakfast from, uh, from here on out. I love it. Um, I recently watched your guys, I think it might be 10 years old now, but your TED talk. And, um, that was, I think, our first time public speaking. Oh, man, I, I love the ca- characters, man, characters. Um, and you, you talk about, like, before this whole journey started, that you described yourself as a couple of meatheads and that your definition of success was really money and material based. How have you sort of redefined your uh, version of success now? And what does it mean to you now, as opposed to what it meant to you maybe 15 years ago? Well, I think now it's now, and I'm jumping in quick because I, yeah, I was going to say now, I think it's more about the inner journey and about inner freedom and inner calm and inner peace and much less about all the external things like money and fame and sex or those type of things that you might kind of think that, you know, are going to make you happy. We just turned 41. And I think, I guess, as we've matured, maybe our definition of success has changed. I think that's the nature of life. And when we were younger, maybe in our early 20s, we defined, I remember I did a degree and a master's in business and business is all about money and cash and turnover and Oh, I'm a consultant. I'm a I'm an investment banker, and all this type of stuff was kind of heralded and celebrated. Um, so back then, money was definitely one of the key drivers of determining success, and it was only, I guess, through a journey of exploring life. When we were 21, as you mentioned, we were meatheads. We were playing semi-pro rugby. We were very into golf. We were we're very. Playing- I played off scratch and got like we were good yeah. at golf, you know. And, and we were very much focused on the American dream, as in materialism. And the more of material possessions you have, and the more successful you are. 
And it was only true, we went away traveling. And I remember myself, I was feeling one December, I was just feeling hollow, a bit empty, wasn't quite, I don't know, I just felt there has to be more to life. This is, this feels quite shallow. This just, I, I, retrospectively, I can define it a lot better, but in the moment it was like, I don't know, I just feel crap and, and I, I, I want to go away and I'm not coming back until I'm happy and I know what I'm interested in and I'm getting a one-way ticket. So um, like being at Twins, we'd lived very closely together all our lives. So we were very um, dependent on each other and very, you naturally had this cocoon, this support cocoon always. So it, it was it was big for us to have a divorce and to go away separate traveling. And, and it was through that journey of traveling, it gave both of us separately the opportunity to redefine who we were and experiment with our own conditioning. Like as growing up, we were kind of told by teachers and you know, society that if you have a fancy job and you have a nice house and you're married, oh, you're doing great. Congratulations. Aren't you wonderful? And it was only through traveling it gave us that opportunity to kind of, I remember arriving in Whistler and going, okay, I've always been the jock and I've always been like the party boy. I think, I, I think I'm going to be a hippie this time and, and just see what it's like being a hippie. And do I, do I feel more myself? And I kind of did that over a period of a year, two years, like really seeing where I felt comfortable. And it was through that journey that I found I was much more, we were both independently more interested in health, happiness and community. Mm. And even spirituality as well. That was the first yeah, time we yeah. got into meditation. Like even as part, I'm part of that, that kind of two year wandering around the world journey of self-discovery. Remember at the very start of it, dad had just, this is like 2000, dad had just been at a Tony Robbins seminar in Miami. And we were, Miami, was it? I think it was Miami. Wow. And I remember he called us up. I don't know where we were in the world or maybe sent us an email. He was 2000 and he said, I just went and saw this really big, tall man. And it was an amazing weekend. He said, if you can get yourself to New York, I'll pay for your thing. So I was like, all right, so we go. So this is just at the start. And we went and we did our Tony Robbins weekend. In New York. In New York, which was great fun. Like it was really super fun. Razzmatazz and shows. And and you can have anything, you can be anything and whatever. And then straight after that, we went to a Vipassana, you know, those 10 day silent retreat centers. Yeah. So we went straight to a Vipassana meditation Where there's center. no talk and you're was, meditating 12 was, hours a day. It was 10 day silent retreat, 14 hours a day meditation. And we ended up living there for like two months. And um, so we went from one extreme of like, you can have it all, you can be it all, whoa! Like super high energy to like, whoa. You know, nothing like just you're left alone slaying demons in a meditation center. Your internal deal. Internal demons. And I, and I guess that kind of awoke a kind of an interest in spirituality. And like spirituality, that word is like, it's got loads of baggage, but really it's about having a bit more peace and being happier in your own skin that you're not dependent on having a big car or a big house that you're happy regardless. Or of getting the job or getting and, the and deal. Not to, say or getting... We, not to say we we've solved it, but that's the... That's our latest focus. Yeah, it's our latest kind of intro. Not latest, it's been there for about 20 years. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's awesome. I mean, Tony Robbins, yeah, that is one extreme to another. I mean, I, I remember watched his Netflix um, special going back two years ago, and he like he warms up like jumping on a trampoline before coming on the stage. He's jumping around. He's you know really loud, like you said, razzmatazz guy, and then you go from one extreme to the other. What did you find in terms of benefits um, with the main difference between almost just that high-end energy and then that stillness, that calm. I think the the higher energy was really exciting and it was very alluring and it was all set on kind of future goals that you wanted to achieve, which was quite stark contrast with the meditation. It was all about accepting now and finding peace within yourself because it's very easy in society to kind of 
when I get the job, when I get the car, when this pandemic is over, when this lockdown, when I go on holidays, then I'm going to be happy. It's so easy to get caught up in this mindset and, and through sitting, having to sit silently like on your own and not talk and not have a phone and not have anything and just sit and have to deal with your like unbox your crap all the discomfort all the discomfort and all the restlessness they kind of made you find that kind of like at moments where you just find a little bit more sense of ease in yourself and it was quite euphoric i remember coming out after 10 days and talking and finding myself getting drunk on talking like it was just like oh my god this is Oh my God, I don't think I've ever experienced. I feel like I've taken God knows what. We love it. Every time but it was, yeah. So, so I think it was quite a stark contrast, but, uh, you know, very enriching in other ways. Mm. Your, your story goes that as twins, you're living on opposite ends of the world. You both uh, start this plant-based diet within a week of each other. Now, I've spoken to a lot of um, plant-based advocates on on this podcast, like authors like Dr. Michael Greger, who wrote How Not to Die, uh, Dr. Neil Bernard, who's a who's a very renowned um, plant-based researcher. So, for you personally, what was the draw? Was it you know was it something external? Was it something internal? What was the draw to a, a plant-based lifestyle? I think it was like it it came before like I think we embraced a plant-based vegan diet in about two thousand and one. And I think the seeds were kind of sown before that. Like I'd say, even in, even as we were late teens, early, like late teens, I remember like, you know, you'd go out drinking, you'd spend 50 euro or 50 pounds, maybe it was back then, getting drunk on a Friday night. And then the next morning, the next day, you wouldn't have money to buy lunch. You wouldn't have money to buy a three or a pack of blueberries. And it just seemed so out of sync that here I was trying to prioritize my health because I wanted to, I wanted to feel good. It was more how to how to actually feel better and happier in my own skin. And I found like living for the weekend was hollow. That kind of, it just didn't make me, I found it was leading me further away from myself. And that kind of, that kind of giving up drink and becoming more aware of the inputs and what food affects my energy and all those various things. And I think Truth started reading books in terms of, Steve wants to say something there. Oh yeah, yeah. And, and even to tell a little story, I remember we were 20, maybe we were 20 or 21. And a friend, Tommy Kelly, was turning 40. And he said, lads, I'd love you to do a marathon with me just to celebrate my 40. It was like, great, game ball, Tommy. And uh, we signed up and didn't really think of it. And uh, we'd just finished university and mom didn't think we'd finish it. She was amazed and delighted with us. So she bought us a ticket to go interrailing, which was a pass where you could go travel via Europe or across Europe on the trains. And we were, as we mentioned, meatheads and loved getting drunk. So we went and got drunk for a month around Europe. And we forgot to train. And we came back um, in October and the marathon was at the end of October. So we had 30 days and it was like, geez, we really should do some training for this marathon. Like we haven't run at all. And at the time um, we'd heard, a friend had heard this word detox and it wasn't in the modern day dialect. The internet was only just coming out. I didn't know, no one knew what a detox was. It was something weird. Uh, so we went down to the library and asked, do, they, do you have a book on detox? And they said, no, nah, we don't have one. But I think they have one in Dublin. We'll get a few to be here in a week. It's like, great. So we went down a week later and got the book and we were reading through. It was like, Jesus says brown bread. Okay. Okay. We're giving up. We're kind of mostly going to eat vegetables and work out what these lentil things are. And brown then, bread instead of white bread. And no carbs. booze. No booze. So we did it for the month before the marathon. And it was, you know, felt weird and it was different and it was hard. But we felt for some weird reason, I kind of felt more myself. And we did the marathon. It went great. 
and the marathon was the end of October and we kind of two months till Christmas. I was like, geez, I don't know, Dave, I feel kind of good. We, we try to do it till Christmas. So we did it till Christmas and then we were having this big meeting the lads. So we grew up, we went to an all boys school, played a lot of rugby. The lads were like your pack. And we were going and meeting them. I remember it was in um, Planet Hollywood. Yeah. We were going to go have a rake of pints. And I remember going up and one of the lads bought a pint for me. Come on, Flinner, you're back on it. It was, it was great, really exciting. He handed me the pint and I took the pint and I took a sip out of it. And then I went, this doesn't feel right anymore. And I kind of put it down, didn't finish it and left early, like a pair of whatever. Uh, but something had kind of changed in us. And I guess that was the start of that journey to explore health and how it, how it affected us and how we felt ourselves. And I think the more we explored it, that what you eat is such a crossroads to so many aspects of your life. Because it's very easy in modern day society to feel disenfranchised, disempowered, political system, the environment. But one thing that kind of unites us all is this, the food we consume and to be more conscious of it can impact so many things. So the more we found out about it, the more it's like, yeah, Jesus makes sense. So but ultimately it came from a selfish reason of kind of going, hey, I want to feel better. I want to have more energy. And I guess following our own nose, we ended up starting to adopt a plant-based diet. And it kind of like in a weird way, it was kind of like, I wonder if I like eat. I remember in Whistler in this kind of cool mountain resort and I remember eating this this chili that had 10 different types of vegetables in it. And I remember eating it for lunch and going, geez, when are these going to kick in? Like, when am I going to be getting superpowers? Like, mm-hmm. hey, vegetables, you know, this type of thing. We were so ignorant to it. Yeah, and I, mean, I remember in college going to a vegetarian, like I was 19 or 19 at the time. I remember going to a vegetarian restaurant and having a vegetarian lunch and thinking, oh my God, I'm going to have so much energy all afternoon. And I guess, uh, like, that was the kind of name. And we were even curious. Like, but then, but then, can I say one thing? I was just going to say right. that, 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 whole, excited. Sorry, Lewis. that whole journey kind of kept going in terms of like seeing how like how you could optimize your diet in terms of energy and all these various things and i guess it it ended up we, we adopted a you know a plant-based diet and like a vegan diet and then a raw food diet and then got into fasting and cleansing and i remember doing a seven-day fast in costa rica and i remember i'd met all these people and they were like i was hanging out with this guy who was trying to be a breatharian and i wanted to see like it was all trying to see how far you could push your health and how it affected your internal mood and your energy levels. And I remember doing a seven day water fast on the beach by myself, which was, it was really hard. Like it was tough. And I remember afterwards I was like, okay, I want to see if I can do a 30 mile road race without training, having done a seven day water fast. And I remember going doing it and, uh, and I did it fine. I didn't win it in any sense, but I managed to do it, which was quite interesting to see, you know, just to test the body. Mm. It's interesting you talk about that detox and, you know, going from one diet to another and, and, and feeling that difference. And, you know, it makes me wonder, over the past year, I've tried to talk to everyone on the spectrum of from vegan to these carnivore guys, right? And I spoke to, you know, a quite renowned figure who, you know, passionately talks about the carnivore diet. Now, I didn't end up releasing the episode because the science I just thought wasn't there um, when he was talking to me about this carnivore diet. Um I just, I couldn't buy into what he was saying. I, I didn't see any actual research behind it. So I didn't release the episode because I didn't think it'd be right. But for you guys, when you think to those people who have that argument of, you know, the opposite approach to yourself, you know, only meat, you know, what would you say to those people that are, you know, following that diet? Is that detrimental to their health, would you think? Well, I think like what we've learned is when we first kind of changed to plant-based diet, we were very evangelical and quite fascist. And I guess as we've matured, we've been eating our plant-based diet for 20 years. You kind of soften with it a lot. And I kind of say to them, well, good on you. Whatever makes you happy. Health is multifaceted. 
you know, like everyone knows a granny who's lived to the age of 90 and drank whiskey, didn't eat a vegetable in her life, uh, smoked 20 pack of cigarettes and loved gambling. But she probably had a lot of love in her life, a strong family around her, great sense of purpose and a lot of laughter and joy. So I think health is multifaceted. However, I would also say, you know, the research is pretty clear in the blue zones and many other, you know, research saying that the more whole foods you can eat, not necessarily vegan or vegetarian, but the more whole foods you can eat, the more beneficial it is to your physical health. Mm. And that would be what I'd really say. But I'd kind of tell them whatever, you know, do your best. That's grand. But when, like, I guess going head on against people now, like previously, if you'd asked us 10 years ago, it would have been, oh, my God, they're, they're dieted, they're saturated fat and they're affecting their blood flows and they're, you know, if they're males, they're going to be heading towards rectal dysfunction at some stage. And Oh, my God, blah, blah, blah. But it's like everyone's body's different. I don't know. Like certainly for us, we found a plant-based vegan diet has been highly effective. And the same with like we've had, I think, 50,000 people through our courses all across the world, which are all a whole food plant-based diet. And they tend to get really, really good results. So I guess we've seen it firsthand, like with our own direct research with these courses. So I guess we've seen the impact and the benefits on people's health. And even we've recently done it to like 75 doctors in Devon and medical experts. We've done a huge variety. And I guess we've seen ourselves the benefit, but you know, it's not necessarily about being vegan or vegetarian. We're all going to die anyway, but it's but, about doing our best. And I think it's about like, it's about optimizing towards whole foods as in fruit, veg, beans, legumes, whole grains, nuts and seeds. And to try to make the vast majority of what you eat out of them. And if you're going to make eat carnivore, stuff for the rest of us you know I, I don't know everyone's got to find their own balance what's right for them and we'll all come to different things at different stages so when i've done episodes like this in the past um a lot of emails i seem to get are from young guys maybe in their 20s you know they, they go into the gym six days a week they're trying to look aesthetic you know trying to get that body for the women and they're saying look i you know i see the benefits of you know plant-based diet but I need to get my eight chicken breasts in a day. You know, I, 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 I can't get the protein in. What would, you know, what would you say are some initial steps then for someone who maybe, you know, hasn't got it in their goals to go completely vegan, but wants to start introducing a bit of plant-based into their, into their diet to get the benefits from that whilst maintaining their, you know, their, their protein intake. Whatever. Yeah, I'd say start, you know, baby steps, just start introducing more fruit and veg. And if it is protein you're concerned about, you know, if you look at the blue zones, about 50% of their diet was typically based around legumes and pulses. So try to introduce some more beans, some lentils. They're a good protein source, nuts and seeds if you're worried, you know, if you want to kind of have a higher protein content. Uh, but baby steps, you know, start slowly. It's not, a, it's not an all or nothing thing and you eat a piece of chicken and you're off the team. Like. But I'd be, I'd be saying like tofus and tempehs, they're great sources of protein. Um, obviously you're gonna have to be consuming lots of them, but you know, like back when we played semi-pro rugby, we were like buff and big meatheads, big massive necks and six packs and whatever. And we were about 85 kilos and roll on 20 years later, we're still 85 kilos after 20 years in a vegan diet. I still have 6% body fat, like, so still lean. Like, I think the hardest bit is putting on muscle is like, it's reasonably straightforward. It's the getting lean bit that's hard to get your definition of abs if you're into aesthetics. And a vegan diet is more efficient, I would think, in terms of it's naturally low in calories, it's high in fiber, and it's it's a lot easier to get that leanness, which is, that's the challenging bit. You'll often see people that have big aesthetic arms and they have a big chest, but it's the, this bit here that can be most challenging to get the muscle definition. Mm. I was going to say, you guys look like, you know, you're in good shape. You look like you train, you're active. What have you noticed? And you said, you you know, you played at a high level before, before you were on this diet. 
Um, what have you noticed in terms of how your diet now affects your energy levels? Does it, you know, enable you to train better? Does it enable you to be more active when you're on a plant-based diet? What does it do for energy? Do you think? Yeah, I think it's more efficient. Like the Holy grail in terms of energy, in terms of athletic performance is being able to recover quicker. And certainly if you think of the most important thing for recovery is oxygen, you know, oxygen really enhances recovery It improves blood flow and all the various things. So a plant-based diet is naturally higher in oxygen. Like that's where, you know, water is, oxygen is our main fuel source. And then you got water and then you got food and all plant-based foods are naturally higher in water and then naturally higher in oxygen. So they're going to oxygenate your body better. They have minimal amount of resistance in as well. Like ultimately it's about, if you think of an engine of a car, you want it to be as efficient as it can be in terms of if you want as little kind of blockages along the your engine and the human body is the exact same or highways of nerves and arteries okay. you want them to function you want the blood flow to flow extremely well so that it's getting all the nutrients and the oxygen to every cell in your body and a plant-based diet really has minimal amounts of saturated fats and you know if you're trying to eat unprocessed like you know now about 55 percent of all calories in the uk are ultra processed foods so if you're trying to if you can start embracing eating more whole plant foods you're naturally your engine's going to function better you know you mentioned Less. fasting earlier on um yeah. now I've spoken to uh, Dr. David Sinclair, who's like the, the world's leader um, leader in into longevity research. Um, a lot of people will know who he is from his episode on Joe Rogan. And he talked about fasting a lot on there. Um, when he spoke to me, he talked about the benefits of it being, you know, if you go on a three, four day fast, your body starts turning on um, these defense switches. And ultimately that, that, that leads to better longevity and, and your body on the whole. But I wonder... What are your experiences with fasting? Um, when did you first try it? How long do you have, have you done it for? And what did you notice right away? Was it good for you or was it bad? Yeah, so we, I guess over the years, we've done lots of fasting, kind of from five days to seven day water fast, three day ones. And for a number of years, I was fasting one day a week, always on a Tuesday. Um, and I found it very even on a spiritual note, it kind of made me more aware of my food, my how much of my thoughts and how much of my day revolved around the act of eating and how much it was such a distraction. And it also kind of, you don't have as much energy to expend externally. So your energy is more internally focused. And I found it very reflective. I found it very beneficial for my health and that it kind of gave my body the opportunity of the energy that it was spending on digesting food. It had this energy to kind of, you know, do some more repair work or do some more cleaning work or, you know, maintenance work. So I found it very beneficial in many ways. Um, in recent years, I guess life, I have three kids now and we have a busy business, so I haven't been doing as much um, fasting, but something that I think is, was phenomenally beneficial for us. You haven't done it in about 10 years. I haven't done it in about 10 years, if I'm really honest, but um, I, I, I often intend to get back to it, but you know. I, I, yeah, I find there's like cycles in life and there's almost like seasons and back before kids, we had all the time to indulge all these, you know, being a raw food diet and getting into fasting and cleansing and all that kind of stuff. And, and then meditating two hours a day. And, and, and you had all those times to do those things, but then having kids, you, it's been harder to, make time yeah there's priorities and kids are more important than you know one day fast a week you know like because you're constantly balancing and with every decision you make there's there's negative you know you've, there's consequences of everything so the last 10 years fasting hasn't really been on the agenda just because you're you're prioritizing other things but i find it really beneficial in terms of sharpening my mind and and it is like there's a uh, steve mentioned the word spiritual which sounds like 
as I said, it's a loaded word. People have kind of go, oh, fucking spiritual, woo woo, whatever. So um, like it, it just makes you more aware of your own, you know, as Stephen said, how much we use food as an emotional crutch that oh, I feel like crap, I'll just go get something to eat. That's going to make me feel better or whatnot. So it forces you to become more aware of that as well as the longevity things. I think I'd read all sorts of books on it when we got into it. So when I mentioned in our in our newsletter that you guys were coming on, um, the one word we got back, everyone was asking about this superfood idea. Now, there's a guy who I read a book on recently. Uh, he's called Darren O'Lean. Um, he wrote a book called Super Life. I noticed he follows you guys on Instagram as well, which is pretty cool. He's a bit of a rock star of uh, of this world. Um and and he he he's known as the superfood guy, and everyone's become obsessed with the word. I think his superfood is the baruka nut. He reckons it's the most dense, um, nutrient dense uh, uh, food in in the world. But for you guys, then, um, since people were requesting your answer for this one, what would you both come to you both say are your maybe top three, the top five superfoods in terms of um, nutritional benefit? So can I? I'd say laughter community and joy i'd say those three if i'm really honest because i i think in our experience of having spent like a decade like really like so we've had at the moment we have we've had four cafes we've 50 products in about a thousand stores we've written five best-selling cookbooks and we've kind of spent the best part of 15 16 years like really digging into food and like food like we have a farm so we grow food we roast coffee we have a bakery sourdough bakery we're really you know, we, and we grow like microgreens, so like sprouts, so some of the most nutritious foods from wheatgrass, pea shoots, sunflower shoots, alfalfa, fenugreek, carrot sprouts, all these. So we've really looked under this rock and I'm not saying like we've, it's a comprehensive, but we spent the best part of 15 years exploring it. And our experience, there's no perfect with food. And, you know, if you're sitting eating a kale salad going, I hate fucking kale. Like that's not good for you. Like have the pizza, have the beer, have the chocolate. Like it's, I think, Superfood, like I'm saying, I remember even to give an anecdotal story. I remember we were on TV back in the early days, and we were we were doing a, a kind of series on juices, and we made we did. I remember we were doing wheatgrass because we yeah, we had yeah. a wheatgrass farm, and we were taking a lot of wheatgrass. And our brother was doing triathlons for Ireland for at the at the national level competing, and he found wheatgrass to be very beneficial um, for kind of recovery and for just kind of just getting more micronutrients into him. And I remember we were doing a, a little piece on TV about it and I'm saying how good it was and how beneficial. I remember a guy kind of comes into the shop the next day, like hobbles him, like just, just bent over and in bits. And he was like, he was saying, so this is going to cure me arthritis, cure me dodgy back and fix me wrist. Just this one, one shot, shot for 250. For 250. So, and I can go home and drink, I can go home and drink me whiskey and have me cigarettes and drink, eat whatever I want. And it's like, that's the bit that bothers me about superfoods is that people tend to believe it's one magic bullet. Like that's what we're all looking for life right now, even the pandemic. And I'm not saying the vaccination is bad, but we're all looking for this vaccination is going to cure us. And, it's, and I think it's a greater representation of all of us in life are looking for hacks. We're looking for if I bought Bitcoin five years ago, then I wouldn't have to work ever again. And then I've made it. And if I, what is the magic bullet in all these aspects of life? And I think ultimately like you know we all we all have to stand alone and look in the mirror and be happy with ourselves and i think superfoods is part of that same you asked what is success and i think superfood we're looking for a hack it's like eat your fact you know like if i ask my my seven-year-old daughter izzy what do i do to be healthy she'll say 
oh, well, I should probably eat less sweets and less chocolate bars and eat more vegetables and eat more fruit and I should go to bed early. Uh, uh, you like we all know these things. It's just hard to do them. So my, to answer the question more directly, my three superfoods, laughter, joy, community, friendship. Your three. Well, now you've kind of thrown me in it with you've kind of moved the goalpost. <laughs> I don't think I'm going to be that smart. <laughs> okay. I'm going to go with my, you know, I think it's sleep, it. meditation or anything that brings you back to the present moment. Okay, yeah. I'll go with those ones. Yeah. A big thing on this topic. Now, we've, d- we've done entire episodes on this topic, but everyone seems to be, you know, obsessed lately with this idea of gut health. Um, you know, we, we've spoken to... Um, Dr. Will Bolshevitz, who's written an entire book on gut health. Um, and for those listening, this is not a, me trying to give you a shameless plug, because I know you have a, a healthy gut course. But um, I'll put the link to that in the description, by the way. But um, what have you noticed between the relationship between food and gut health? And what would you say are the main benefits of a healthy gut and how it affects the body? Yeah, I was going to say that. So we've got six online courses and the most popular one has been the Happy Gut course. Like mm. course where we've, got, we, we've had more than 20,000 people through it. And it's with a gastroenterologist and a dietitian. And the whole idea What's was... a gastroenterologist for anyone listening? Great question, Stephen. <laughs> gastroenterologist is a gut doctor. So it's like a doctor that specializes in the gut. So we, we originally kind of had these ideas that oh, eating fruit and veg is healthy for you. And it's like, okay, well, how do we put these to the test? And we started doing seeing how it affected in terms of the heart health and it worked incredibly well reduced cholesterol and whatever even tell that story okay can i tell a story of course you can and i'll come back to the good thing yeah it was back 10 years ago we were we had a cafe in a veg shop and and i was i used to work in the vegetable shop and he used to cook in the cafe and it was lovely old days and back then we we were we were you know we were evangelicals of vegetables getting people to eat more veg and it was like, I remember one woman came in one day and she said, no, geez, I lost four stone on Weight Watchers in two months. You'd never believe it. I'm like, oh my God, that's incredible. And, uh, and Steve says, I wonder like, you know, can we, can we do some, can we do some experiment to see if like putting a plant-based diet to the challenge? It's like, okay, great. And I was reading this book by Dr. Dean Ornish, who was an incredible doctor who showed in clinical trials, you could reverse the indicators for heart disease, which is the biggest killer in the world. I was like, and I'm reading this book and Steve goes, I wonder, can we do that in Ireland in four weeks? It's like, oh, great idea, Steve. I love it. Brilliant. So it was like, oh, here, come on. We got to break. Let's get down to the, the doctor and see if we can get a nurse. So we knock on the doctor's door and we're like, how are you, Brian? Where are the lads in the happy pair? We're, do you know how many nurses? And he says, yeah, Angela lives three doors up. So I knock on Angela's door and it was like, lo and behold, Angela was there. Harry, Angela, uh, where the last happy bear? We're wondering, we want to run an experiment. We want to put vegetables to the test and we need a nurse. Will you help us? And she said, I will, lads, just back off. Go away, I will. Okay. So Angela was up for helping us. And we put signs up around the shop and we said, reverse heart disease, skinny, sexy, delicious, free. And we had 20 people sign up. And we didn't know it was going to work. This is back in 2010. And they came along, the 20 people came along, unsuspecting guinea pigs. They came along to our experiment and Angela measured everyone's cholesterol, weight and blood pressure. And then they came upstairs to us and we were chefs and we were vegetable greengrocer men. So we were all about getting people to eat more fruit and veg. So it was getting people who were, they were all meat and two veg people. It was like, right. We put on videos of men and women in white coats, like doctors, just to give it a bit of validity. And then we got them to taste lots of foods and we were encouraging them to eat porridge for breakfast and vegetable soups and nice salads and pad thais and chilies and dals. And it was a lot of getting people to taste things. They're like, oh, this tastes nice. Okay. Those okay. lentil things are they're mad. Not bad, they're, they're not bad. And I remember, and, and it was for four weeks. They came once a week to us upstairs and it was like vegetable AA. And, uh, and lo and behold, it came to the last week and we didn't know it was going to work. 
And we were really nervous. We were kind of like, if this doesn't work, this undermines this is, all our belief system. And we're going to get a new this job. This was before any Netflix documentaries or anything. So it was, and it was before real social media taking off. So we ended up getting an average drop of cholesterol at 20%. Everyone's blood pressure regulated. Everyone lost weight. And it was, it was a really incredible experience. And on the back of that, we ended up, um, got lots of media attention. We, the courses got busier and busier. So we decided let's build an online one. And we built an online one. We thought it was going to, this was back in 2011. We thought it was going to cost us like 5,000 euro and it'd take us six weeks. It took us two years and it cost us more than a hundred grand. And back then in 2011, people didn't like putting their, in, their credit card into the internet. So it didn't really work. Like it didn't work for years. It was just sitting there on the internet. And um, then as things grew on and on, we ended up becoming we friends. Dr. Yeah, Dr. we ended up becoming friends with lots of doctors. And one of them said, well, why don't we build a good course? And see Dr. Dr. Alan Desmond, the consultant. Yeah, consultant gastroenterologist. Um, he said, let's build a good course and see what happens. And he thought it might be effective for IBS, which is bloating and whatnot. And we've now, as I said, in the last two years, we've had more than 20,000 people through the course, even more, I'd say now. And um, it's been really effective for IBD and Crohn's and all sorts of all sorts of digestive issues. And the whole thing is, if you've got digestive issues, a lot of people have put you on a low FODMAP diet, which is low in fermentable carbohydrates that kind of cause bloating, which are all vegetables like garlic and onion and beans and you know think fart food. People might think of it as fart food, uh, and if you cut that out you give your like they're really healthy they're fantastically healthy but for certain people that have irritable bowels or um just inflamed bowels it's it just gives the bowel time to get used to it but the, the basis of the course we is just all about getting people to eat lots of fiber and plant-based foods and it's been hugely effective um like it's amazing where you meet people like even meeting this girl called anya back recently uh in waterford she said I, I couldn't really leave my house if i ever left my house i had to know where a toilet was i was like i could only eat five foods and my whole life and she was in early 20s and she said through doing the course my relationship with food has changed i'm a fully functioning human and like and she was crying you know when you when you meet lots of these people that literally are crying with emotion gone my life has changed i've been to see all sorts of people but i didn't realize how just eating how, how, how big an impact my diet has because if you think about the gut like I'm sure you probably know this from having talked to, to other doctors, but for anyone listening, and this is like, we're not gastroenterologists or scientists, but we've kind of learned all this over the last while, that we all have this microbiome, which is a collection of all these bacteria and microorganisms, so tiny little organisms in our gut, and they weigh about two kilos, and they're seemingly about 100 trillion cells. So we've got about two, 10 trillion human cells, and we've got 100 trillion bacteria. So we've got a mass, we're host to this incredible community within our gut. And this community, the most important thing in terms of having them feeling really healthy is giving them lots of fiber. That's what cultivates the healthy strains of it. And, uh, and as I said previously, there's more than 50% of the calories that we're all eating in the Western developed world are ultra processed foods, which don't feel the healthy strains, they feed the ill healthy strains. And we're now finding there's a massive link, like science is now even through the SMILES research that there's this huge link between mental health in terms of gut, like our gut, the, the various different bacterial communities that we have in our gut and our mental health, um, our emotions, our moods, as well as our digestion and energy and, levels. 70% of our immune system is in our gut. Anyway, we're kind of ranting. But, yeah, sorry. Yeah. But I, I guess we've it. seen the benefit of people eating more plant-based and how beneficial it is for the gut. And anyone listening who has tried to eat vegetables and have found they've inflamed their gut, try a low FODMAP approach. We have lots of free recipes on our YouTube channel and just try it. Yeah, there must be about 30 or 40 of them there. Yeah, so check them out, they're free. Amazing, amazing. I love it, guys. Now, 
we've talked a lot about plant-based diets um and that obviously is a big part of, of your lifestyle but i think one of you mentioned meditation earlier in passing i want to know what are some of the other things that you try to be conscious of to live a happy and healthy life could be you know doubling down on on the science of sleep could be meditation could be mindfulness could be philosophy what things do you try and stay conscious of outside of your diets yeah i think and it's probably less about being conscious of it because these things have become habits you know the way when things are habits it's just how you do and i know like like i look through look through instagram just like anyone else and you might look at people on all these fancy holidays and fancy parties and all these different things you go oh my god what's that life and our lives are kind of almost like you know they're very simple very simple we i go to bed like we don't sleep in the same bed or the same house we're both a separate house and separate families but we both go to bed at around nine half nine so that's early and i get up usually around somewhere between five and six every morning and you know like i go to the same bed the same time as my kids my kids laugh and they're like daddy goes to bed at nine o'clock like they, <laughs> they they but that's what makes me feel good like i just my mental health is better I tried to meditate uh, recently. I've got right back into it again. I read a really good book, which just inspired me and reminded me of how important it is. And I'm kind of trying to do half an hour in the morning and around half an hour in the evening as well, as much as I can, because I just find it makes me more, it, it makes me less concerned about what's happening outside of myself and more kind of focused on how I'm reacting to the world. So those are two things. Yeah, and I'd say one of the biggest things for me is community. And it's, I think it's something that, in modern day society, it's become a bit of an epidemic in lots of ways is the lack of community, the lack of connection, the lack of like, we're all connected digitally more so than ever, but mental health issues are as high as they've ever been, at least they're being measured nowadays. But I think it's the importance of that face-to-face -face community, those people, that, and obviously it's quite hard now during the middle of a pandemic, but the more we can have that sense of a tribe, that sense of people who we belong to and see us and where we're not putting on a yeah, I'm really happy. Yeah, I'm doing great. Oh, life is so good. Where you can actually go, I feel shit today. And they go, yeah, me too. You know, let's have a, let's have a cup of tea and a chat about it. And that's, of, that's that type of sense of, you know, when, when you're not there, they actually miss you because you belong as part of their tribe. And I think the more we can cultivate that as a society, the more beneficial it is to be healthier and happier. And I know- And, and, and when you do, I think the, the funny thing is that when you do have these basic physiological needs, such as you really do have a strong thriving community, then maybe what you eat is, you know, the way you were asking the perfect superfood, like, and you were kind of joking, kind of facetiously joking and saying joy and laughter and community. When you do have a life that's overflowing with lovely people, you do have a lot of joy and you do have a lot of laughter. Your immune system is already feckin' thriving. You have so much purpose. You've got all these people around you that what you eat obviously has an impact, but probably to a lesser degree than someone who's lonely and isolated and by themselves and eating kale sandwiches and not feeling very happy, you know? So I think there's so many aspects of health and we went off. Yeah, I think community is so important. And, and for anyone listening who kind of goes, it's very easy for you lads, you live by the sea and you're very privileged and I acknowledge all that, but simple things that you can do to cultivate community, say hello to your neighbors. It's amazing, we're all, uh, you often tell a little story that, you know, that we're all insecure three-year-olds. Three oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, you wanna... Well, I was just gonna say that we're all, we forget about it that, you know, underneath, we're all trying to get recognition in this world and lots of us have different strategies. Like I have nice hair and I have nice white teeth and I have a big job and I have a fancy car. I'm very intelligent, I have and abs, I'm, I have I'm very food. good looking and whatever. And all these strategies are, are strategies for acceptance and to, you know, to be seen in the world and kind of go, you're great, I love you, you know? 
And really, if you think about it, underneath all of our all our strategies, we all want to be accepted. We all want to be acknowledged. And we all want to be told, geez, you're a great lad. You're a Lewis, you're a smasher. You're such a lovely lad. So if you think about it, that underneath all of us is this, this invisible sign that says, please love me, I'm worthy. And that's something to remember that, that every single person out there, no matter how, how tough, tough or hard, tough or, hard or whatever, we're all insecure little three-year-olds in adults' bodies. Yeah, you, you, know? you often tell the story that when we go down to the playground, uh, we have five kids, not together, but between us. And when I bring the kids down to the playground, they just run straight up to someone and start playing and go, hi, can I be your friend? And they go, yeah. And then when we're leaving, they go, can Johnny come over to play? And I go, who's Johnny? Oh, he's my new best friend. And they've made a friend. And it's like that. Whereas nowadays you meet someone at a party and it's like, hello, what do you do? And you're measuring them up and you're seeing how they relate to you in terms of the pecking order. And you don't want to put, but really underneath it all, we all want friendship. We all want connection. And really, as you were back, that's what you were saying was, to say hello to your neighbours, to start just saying hello, because every relationship starts somewhere and it starts with a hi. It starts with a, I made some banana breads and there's a little bit left over. Would you like a banana bread? Like during the, you know, all through Corona, me and the kids have been baking stuff and we dropped some up to the neighbours and whatnot. And it's a great opportunity to meet your neighbours. Other things that we found, uh, my daughter on her ninth birthday, we got her a dog. And I think dogs are amazing at or having a pet, because like, we'd be out walking with Daisy and... Um, Typically, we walk past another dog and an owner and they'd stop the dogs to go and sniff each other. And then you'd be standing by the na- by the person and, you know, you can have an awkward conversation. What's your dog called? Oh, it's a lovely dog. And, you know, it's an easy way to start a conversation. And before you know it, you've made a friend and you walk the same time every night. And how are you, Johnny? How are you, Johnny? And, and, you, and, and community and, and, starts and I to think, build. And I think what they're saying now is like, typically, we most people have family. We have brothers or sisters or mothers or fathers or cousins. We have some form of family. And then we hopefully most of us have one or two or a number of close friends who you can talk to when there's something going on. And what they're saying now is that those loose connections where you know people's names, you don't really know that much about them, but they're these loose connections that form your community, that these are really, really important, that you can walk down the road and say, how are you, Pat? You don't really know much about Pat, but it's important to say, oh, the weather's good. You see the match? Oh, brilliant, wasn't it? Those little things make it. And you walk, oh, how are you, Mary? How's it going? Oh, lovely day, yeah. And those kind of things are really important to that sense of community. And I think that's really important. And we've gone way off topic. I can't even remember your question. Oh, I love it, man. <laughs> as, um, as we start to wind down, um, I've been reading a lot uh, over the last year or two about Stoic philosophy. And one of the big things they talk about is um, purpose. Now, purpose building into happiness and making your life worth living. Um, so for me, my example would be, you know, if I put out an episode of this podcast and, you know, even if one person comes back to me and says it's helped them in some way, I can go to sleep at night happy knowing I've impacted someone's life in a positive way. And that makes my life worth living then. So if I come to each of you um, for the happy pay, what makes a life worth living? Great question. Um, first question has been stillness for a second a life worth living like I think every life is worth living I genuinely do and I think each one of us has a purpose that's deep inside of ourselves and it starts with people go oh my god purpose that's such a big thing like I haven't found my purpose I'm 40 what should I do and I think I'm gonna I'll come back to my own one but I think it starts with curiosities that purpose is a huge big thing but I think it starts with where your curiosity's at. Like what actually make, what are you curious? What books do you pick up in the bookshop? 
What type of movies do you watch? And these are little breadcrumbs to what I think your ultimate purpose is. And when I think back to us, what's our purpose as the happy pair? It's always been the same thing. It's about trying to inspire people to eat more fruit and veg, trying to inspire people to live a happier, healthier life, to build community, to have a laugh, to like remember the simple things in life like are so enriching. And all of those type of things just really give me a huge sense of purpose. And I think purpose is such a big thing and it's really, it's, Difficult there's pressure with it. Yeah, there's, and there's pressure. expectation. Yeah, and I, I think for anyone listening, and I this think, commitment, my purpose in life is X, Y, Z. Insert yeah. that, and it's in the blank. It does change. I've noticed with myself as as I mature, it, it matures. You know, like when we started our business, age twenty four, we didn't have any kids, and we were deeply like. For I, I remember about a year into the business, I remember being caught driving without insurance, and I didn't realize it was a bad thing because I was such a dreamer. Um, and it was only two days. You were only eight. It was a day. day. It was a day. It was actually one day. And I remember going to court and I remember the judge asked me, what's your income? And I said, uh, I get 7,000 euro a year. And he laughed and everyone in the court laughed and said, you couldn't possibly live on that. And I was like, sure, I live at home. I love my job. I eat my food there. I don't do anything else. Like it was like, and the purpose was so clear that it was about, you know, we measured success by how many people had what was the vibe like what what was the buzz what was the atmosphere what was the sense of joy how are we enjoying our life and we were so committed to health happiness and community and really nurturing this and and over the years it's still the same in terms of the business but i now have three kids so my purpose is also to try to be a good role model for my kids to evolve as a human to be more it's sensitive also, it's also probably to try to be a good role model like that I'm proud of myself that I'm actually that the influence we're having on people is positive and we're a good example to people uh, around and ultimately my purpose is when I sit alone in the dark do I feel comfortable with myself mm. and do I feel when I go to bed at night when I close my eyes and there's no distraction do I feel content a sense of joy and a sense of gratitude and if I do boom I'm winning amazing so for everyone listening now where can they get more from you where can they connect with you where can they find you online uh, well, if you've got the internet and you just type in the happy pair, you'll find us on, we're on, we're on all this. We've loads, we've got like, if you're interested in food, we've got about 500 free recipes on YouTube. They've got like 30 something million views. There's a lot of them there. If you're after this pandemic, come visit us. We're here in Ireland. We swim in the sea at sunrise every day and it's great. Yeah, Lewis, please come join us. Loads of people come visit when the world is open and whatnot. And uh, we've got, if you're living in Ireland, we've lots of products and we've online courses. If you want and to we've just more. released a new book. Um, oh yeah, I forgot to mention that. Yeah, yeah happy book. health plan. Yeah, really good. It's kind of all the learnings from having fifty thousand people through the courses. So it's brilliant. Amazing. Yeah. So thank you, Lou. Lovely chatting to you. Yeah, man. I'll uh, we'll have to meet up for a swim in the sea one day. Um, look, you you said earlier that you know one of your superfoods is laughter, smiling. This episode has got my diet off to a great start of the day. I think I've smiled the entire <laughs> episode. So. Um, no, I appreciate uh, you guys coming on. Um, I really enjoyed the conversation. I hope you have too. Oh, Absolutely. Great, really great fun. Really great crack. Thanks, Absolutely. Lewis. Thanks a million. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the Freedom Pact podcast. We'll see you again on Friday. Until then, guys, if I could please ask you to subscribe to Freedom Pact on YouTube. And if you're listening on iTunes, please, please leave us a five-star rating and review it really helps with the visibility of the show and it would mean a great, great deal to us. Like always, get in touch. Let's have a conversation. Instagram, Freedom Pact. Pop us a DM, Twitter, 
at Freedom Pact Pod. Same thing. Drop us a DM. Let us know your thoughts on the episodes, what you'd like to see, anything, or just come along for a chat. I look forward to speaking with you. Until next time, guys, thank you for listening.